Hello, and welcome to episode 57 of the Clockwork Game Design Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Bergun. I've got a bunch of kind of like a potpourri of different things to talk about today. I don't have a guest. Uh, it's just going to be me. Uh, it might end up being a shorter episode. We'll see by the end of once it's all recorded and edited. But um, I think that there's some, I'm going to try to focus on, I'm going to be talking largely today about the stuff that I'm working on and kind of go through some of the game design questions that I'm struggling with and uh, challenges and um, who knows, maybe that's useful for someone. So first up front, I want to just give a couple of like quick updates. Uh, Happy Snake and I uh, released a game a few weeks ago. I forget if I mentioned it last week, but um, called Astronauts. It's based on a Brain Good Games game uh, called Solar Settlers, which I recommend checking out at the very least. Anyway, we made this game Astronauts. It's cute. It's got cute Happy Snake art, and I designed it. Uh, next up, I'm going to be making another game with Happy Snake um, that they're going to design, and I'm going to do... Um, programming and probably art for and music for uh anyway so that that astronauts i'm pretty happy with how some elements of it came out uh, it's still in like the prototype phase but um it's kind of like this turn-based um single you know single player uh strategy game you have a grid and you're moving this queen along on the grid and you have these little ants that the queen can spawn and you can move the ants around and they're like collecting resources and like building buildings and stuff like that on these planets and your queen has kind of like a range and as you move your queen up or upgrade her the range expands and the range shows how far your ants can move and basically on the far right like farther out in the galaxy um you have these blue planets that your ants can colonize and you, the objective is to colonize three planets before your queen dies there's these red ants coming in from the side there's meteors coming in from the top you can build like defensive structures you know, it's it's interesting. I think it um, you have cards that you draw. I think it could really end up functioning pretty well as like a small um, single player strategy game. Um, but it, it will take a lot of work. Um, that's the thing that occurred to me. You know, once we were like pretty, we could we spent a good. I mean, on and off like a good four, five, six months on the game. Um, but we probably only put like one or two months in actual work in. But yeah, it was one of those situations, and this is something that happens to me a lot. Like, I love the big strategy strategy games. That's, like, what I want. And so I often will start these things, and I have this vision in my head of, like, can't I just make a thing that would take, like, a month to make, and it would be small, but it would, you know, be a small production, but then it would be, like, this big strategy game that you could play forever. And that's just, it's just not a thing, especially if you're trying to make something that isn't, like, a clone of something. I mean, even oftentimes if you are, but if you're not, if you're really trying to design a new system and uh, it's like a strategy game and it's like not a clone of anything, you're going to have, I mean, so much like iteration and like going back and like testing, playtesting, deleting whole systems, creating new systems, changing systems that forces you to change other systems. And it's just like so, so it's just an impossible task I, I can't believe anybody does it or i don't know maybe maybe it's just how it works for me uh and other people it goes smooth more smoothly i'm not sure but uh you know i've been doing it for maybe about 10 years now seriously you know in some ways it gets easier but uh, largely it's like the production aspects get easier the design aspect is just like there's no shortcut to a lot of this stuff i mean there's a little bit you can do um i mean obviously there's theory um which which i 
I guess that is sort of a, th a shortcut. But even with theory, it's like actually th theory is both a shortcut and a uh, theory is more about making your stuff better. It's not really about making it faster. Because while theory sort of like gives you tools to help you, it also ma makes challenges your designs and makes you like less likely to settle for something. You know, it, it identifies problems. And so theory is like a double-edged sword in terms of that and ends up, in my view, actually over-application of theory or, or even just application of theory tends to slow down development and lead to a better product in the end, probably. Not always. In theory, it leads to a better product in the end. Um, so anyway, my, my games have been generally very theory heavy. Uh, that's something I'm sort of trying to move away from for a few reasons, some of which I will talk about in this podcast episode. But yeah, so Astronauts, you know, it was it's a strategy game, and it, it so it took longer than either of us thought. And, you know, it's still really it would be like another year worth of just design to really get it good, solid, maybe longer. So another uh, kind of small update is um, I, I think... You know, I need to go back and listen, but I just in case anyone uh, I didn't mention this last time, but I I got a degree in political science last month. Um, I forget if this was after or before the the Dan C interview, which, by the way, if you didn't listen to last week's uh, not last week's last month's uh, podcast episode with Dan C, I really recommend it. I was really happy with how that went. But anyway, I went back to school. I'm in my late 30s and I went back to school. Uh, I never actually finished my uh, college education back in the day. Right after high school, I went to school for music, for music composition. And um, I never finished. And uh, I just kind of dropped out and started going into game dev, basically. Um, and uh, so I decided to go back and finish my degree. But then I got there and I was like, hey, you know what? Learning is really cool and interesting. And there's like all this material that is just hard to find without the context of school. So I, I really um, I really got a lot out of it. And uh, I did very well. And uh, so I got a degree. I switched my major to political science. Just because I felt like, you know, sometimes as artists, as creators, and this may just be for me, but I, I do feel like, you know, a lot of art has to be just you sitting in your like little work environment in silence, you know, or maybe like listening to music, but like you're just sitting there by yourself making decisions and like designing stuff and like thinking hard about stuff and playtesting stuff and and whatever and you know music is very much that way or had been that way for me so i just lived a very like insular kind of existence and just you know that's why i went so deep into like theory uh for for game design and for music theory as well and so i i detected over the last like decade or so at some point in the last five years like i i really just need to kind of like learn more about like the world history you know culture society subjects like uh, philosophy and sociology and psychology and um, these sorts of things. I just want to be like more rounded as a person and also be a little bit more aware of things from a wider perspective. I personally think that my going back was extremely helpful for me. And I think, you know, you can probably track the per the change in my perspective and my worldview over the last two years in particular on this podcast you know episodes an episode i think about a lot is the artist people Two episode which represents like a big change in in my philosophy um and the getting the degree in political science was a big part of that as well as the people that i met there teachers you know i i, I expect that that will continue to inform my work going forward and i think that that's hopefully that will result in me making better work 
as a result. I said as a result twice, but you know what? We're going to leave that in there. One last little like upfront discussion topic is um, Escape the Omnocronom. I do not have real plans to continue development of it. I generally consider it like a mostly failed experiment, but I did. It occurred to me in the last like month or so, like that the biggest problem, the biggest single problem with it, and this is going to tie back into a conversation we're going to have when I talk about my Gem Wizards card game, is that, um, you know, it's just very annoying, like just physically to play a game that's turn based, single tile movement per turn, and you are moving around this huge map. Because it means you have to like click, 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 click constantly. And you're not even moving to new locations that way. Like in a roguelike, arguably you're doing that. But in a roguelike, you're constantly uncovering new terrain. And there's like this engine of like constantly uncovering. So you sort of feel like actually you're going, you typically are going quite linearly in a roguelike and inching forward. And there's these new monsters and each monster is like kind of, not each monster, but many monsters are kind of a big deal. And there's like this engine that that works with that. And that's just not going to work, I feel like, with Omnocrodom. That's part of the problem. So one thing I thought to myself a few days ago was like, well, why don't I just like try making the map really small again? <laughs> and uh, this is like the third or fourth small map version of the game that I've uh, I've made. If you go back and look at the Kickstarter version, that was a very small map. And the version before that was a very small map. Um, actually, most of the versions early on were were pretty small map. Uh, it wasn't until it became Push the Lane in like 2017 that, or yeah, 2017, I want to say, that uh, it became like that really big map. And I tried to sort of like mimic that League of Legends style of MOBA style design. So, yeah, it would be a lot harder to kind of code the game in real time, which I think is maybe the real solution to the problem. Um, But it's very quickly quick for me, despite how horrible my code is, for me to change the map size and make it small. And um, so I did that. And there's a build up. Uh, I posted it on my Patreon and I also posted it on the Discord. And you can try it out. It's very rough around the edges. Like a lot of things don't work right now um, because my code is bad and because a bunch of other reasons. Uh, but the cool thing about it is you can, you know, walk around in the world and just sort of get a feel for, like, I feel like I can kind of envision the game happening in this, in this, um, in this like size. And I'm not sure if it works. I mean, it definitely fixes that problem of like the annoying, um, movement problem, but I think it also creates a bunch of other problems. I mean, most, Importantly, the fact that I, I never really figured out what the the core engine of this game was. Um, I I had like this, you know, this this sort of early idea of like, oh, it's just like a it's like a single player MOBA, but with uh, turn based input, like roguelike style input. But like that's not really an idea because what is what does single player MOBA even mean? Um, so much of how those work is because you you know, you have teammates and like the different lanes and, you know, you're, you're at this lane, I'm at this lane. Um, and so to, it's not trivial. It's not like obvious what it means to say single player MOBA. So anyway, I, I, I generally still feel like, uh, that's, you know, I'm just like tabling that project, um, until further notice, but, um, I did make this build. If you'd like to check it out, check it out. It's an interesting thought experiment kind of thing. Maybe somebody has an idea. Uh, maybe it'll inspire something in someone. All right, now on to the actual content part of the show. 
So I've, the main thing I've been working on the hardest over the last month or so has been, um, I think I've mentioned that I'm making two games right now, both in the same universe. I'm, I'm developing this new universe that I'm calling Gem Wizards. And basically, I want to have a, a universe that is, it's like, you know, high fantasy kind of, but it's very silly and I have some very specific kinds of things that I want to do with it. I I want it to be like, I want to try to like make a make a world that's more humanizing, that's more inclusive, that feels less um, hostile, and uh, that's ki- and that's silly and fun and and um, kind of like Dragon Questy in, in its silliness, but even more silly. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm going for. Um, and I, I'm going to reuse this lore and this universe for both this card game that I'm working on, which is like a two to four player. Um, kind of like a, you know, fighting card game, like magic kind of thing. And then also for this 4X game, which I'm going to talk about later, which is also is going well. So, but the card game is the main thing I'm working on. I first play tested it about a month and a half ago and it went really well, actually. And I was like, oh my God, I'm actually designing a card game that, that works. Um, you know, I've, I've, over the years I've designed probably 500 or something like three to 500 card games. And like maybe, I don't know, 10 of them were like, okay, playable. And like two of them were like two or three of them, depending on whether you count Splash Clash, uh, because that's largely based on Puzzle Strike. Um, But like two or three of them were like, I would say successes. Now, part of that is because I was maybe over overusing theory um, to an extent that like, you know, so few so few uh, things, so few games will ever hold up completely to uh, like a rigorous enough uh, theory, theoretical analysis. So anyway, I'm working on this Gem Wizards card game. First version of the game went re- quite well. Um, played a few multiplayer, like three player games of it. I played one four player game of it. And it was like, it was rough around the edges, but it worked. It was pretty, pretty fun. Then I had this like lull phase in the middle a couple weeks ago where I did a playtest and I was like, ah, oh, this really just doesn't work. And then like I made a like a whole new version and that like kind of worked. Then like three or four days ago, um, I know I say like a lot um, and I do delete some of them in the editing phase, but not all of them because that's cheating. Um, you just kind of have to live with it. That's how I talk. Yeah, the most recent playtest of Gem Wizards went really well like systemically well so the system seems like it's working now better than it ever had before um there's two main problems i would say i'm sort of dealing with actually let's say three main problems problem number one is how how many actions you let a player do on one turn problem number two the classic problem of letting players get some of their cards in a card game, but not all of them. And how do you do that in a way that's like fair and doesn't break the game and doesn't guide their strategy completely based on random card draws. And then three, like a kind of smoothness that um, I'll talk about in a second. So let's go through these one at a time. Uh, The first one is um, so gem wizards. Let me just give you like a general overview of what, how it works. 
typically it's two player. Um, I have these three gem stacks. And so you're like playing these colored gem cards to the stacks. And if you put like two or three in a row, you can shoot them at the other players, deal damage. The way to win is to have another player um, like burst their stack. So they, they have a character and their character has health. And if you have more gems in one of your stacks than your health, you that stack is bursted. And if you get two bursted stacks, you lose. So that's how the basic game works. Uh, there's spells, there's buildings, there's units that you can place in front of your stacks to protect your stacks, as well as to attack enemy stacks. Um, so it's, it's complicated. It's, there's a lot going on. There's money. Um, your hero can level up your, your wizard and your wizard has special abilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a bunch of stuff going on. Um, not trying to give you a, you know, like a rule book PDF right now, but I just want to give you like a general sense. It's like, you know, you're casting spells at each other, you're shooting gems, you're, you're sort of like sliding your gems around to kind of like reorganize stuff, you're building buildings, you're investing, you know, there's rush, rush cards and using your unit abilities, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's sort of inspired by like Codex, actually more than Magic, because I don't like Magic at all. Uh, but I do like Codex, I do... I think that, so actually, how many actions per turn, that's something that games like Codex and also another game that I just played, Res Arcana, have, I think, a problem of. A lot of these games with card games where you're putting down cards over time have this problem of, like, at some point you have, like, six or seven cards down and then you can just play them all, like, on your turn, just, like, boop, 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 boop. Like, you do, like, five or six or seven actions all one after the other all on your turn and it's like oh my god the amount of change that happens to the game state in general when you let a player just do all this shit like on one turn so that's there's two problems with that one is that it's calculation-y right because you have to like sit there and look at all your cards and be like okay i'm gonna do this and then that'll give me resources for to do that and then that'll do this and then this will do that and like and it's, there's like no end to it. It's just totally limitless. And so something that um, that's been a big issue with my Gem Wizards card game has been at first I sort of went with that like, oh, you can play as many actions as you have dudes or something. And I realized like I really need to limit the amount of actions a player can do on their turn, like pretty harshly, actually. Um and that's for a smoothness reason. Like you don't want the game to like sort of be, I, also, I mean, it makes things like slow down a lot. I'm going to quickly interject here with a little thing. I've been playing Res Arcana a little bit. Um, it's a card game uh, for two to four players. I bought it specifically because, well, two reasons. One, Viva Fringe recommended it to me and I, I regard his opinion highly. Uh, he is a uh, play tester and uh just a general gamer guy who is, you know, always floating around these new indie games and doing really extremely well at them. He's He was a top Oro player. Anyway, he recommended Res Arcana. It's got like a magical theme, like a high fantasy magic wizards theme. And it's from Tom Lehman, who is the designer of Race for the Galaxy, which I've been like pretty obsessed with over the last couple of years um so i got res arcana i've been playing it and it does have this problem of like you can lay down like 10 cards and then just use on your turn just use like six seven eight actions all at once uh which is one of my main problems with the game um it makes it very calculationy it's one of the things that makes it very calculationy the other thing that makes res arcana really calculation is that there's very little in the way of uh input randomness throughout the game like you draw cards from your deck your deck has only got eight cards in it though so it's like that's not terribly random 
yeah, you get them at different times. That does change stuff. That's not meaningless. But that's like that's like it. And then the, you know, obviously the opponent, uh, their their uh, their inputs definitely change stuff a little bit. But like, you know, it's it's mostly like you can basically see what's on the board and be like, okay, I can do this and this and this and this. Like you can calculate stuff out. And yes, sure, the opponent may interrupt that, but they also just may not. Um, and so it's, it's a, and between that and the fact that you can do like three, four, five, six, seven, uh, actions on one turn means that it's a very calculation-y game. Um, and this is kind of my main problem with, uh, Res Arcana, which otherwise has actually a lot of cool qualities. It's definitely like not a bad game. Uh, it's interesting that it's so, um, short despite being like this engine building thing. Like that's, um, I feel a little bit conflicted about that. On the one hand, you know, it's always great if a game is short in a way, uh, but it's kind of like you get this engine going and then the game just like ends immediately. And you're like, I kind of want to like, can I just like exist with this engine that I have a little bit? I do recommend game designers, you know, take a look at Res Arcana at the very least. Anyway, going back to Gem Wizards, um, <clears throat> that's something I, I realized I wanted to like avoid is have that like infinite actions per turn scenario going on. Um, and so I have a new system now where I'm basically kind of using like a, like a, it's not a role selection. It's uh what's the other, I guess it is a role selection. Yeah. It's role selection mechanism. Um, kind of like Puerto Rico, um, has or race for the galaxy kind of has, but Puerto Rico is more like, you know, I'll pick this, then you pick one thing and then I pick one thing and you pick one thing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's kind of like that. Using that has allowed me to, like, you just basically on your turn, you just play a couple gems from your hand, and then you can play one of those actions, and then, uh, I think that's pretty much it. And then you have a cleanup, and then after everyone's used the rolls, I think there's six rolls right now, and after five have been used, um, you reset them, and there's, like, a new round, and at that point, players can play, can do some basic things, like summon units, summon buildings, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, so that's that's kind of like a way to break up some of that stuff. I, I really like the idea of a round structure. So you have like turns and then every five turns, there's like a round. I think that's like a, a really that's been a really helpful tool for me in my designing of this game. And that's been really helpful for me in in, in cleaning up, making the actions per turn very uniform. So that and that's been successful um, in my playtests of that. Um, and then in uh, the second uh, big issue I've been dealing with with the Gem Wizards game is um, this problem of letting players get some of their cards, but not all. Okay, and this is also kind of goes back to the Res Arcana thing. I mean, this has been a pro problem in Magic the Gathering. People talk about mana screw in Magic the Gathering, right? Like you have a deck and it's got a bunch of mana cards in it. And sometimes um, you can just draw things in a way that it just makes it like you, you... In fact, I think Magic has, or at least some variants of it, have um, like a rule where you can just like draw again if you don't like how you draw it, uh, drew. And uh, that's obviously like a super cumbersome and like, really telling rule that they have that i forget that uh it's the golf term mulligan they, they just you can get a mulligan on your draw and i think even um netrunner has that which is like what like this is like supposed to be i mean i know netrunner is technically not a new game but it's like you know everyone loves this it's this extremely lauded like master masterful board games card game strategy game and it has that mulligan rule anyway that you know um 
the the thing is like I, I do want to criticize that, but I also, you know, recognize that this is like not an easy problem to solve. How do you get players to be able to draw some of their cards, but not all of their cards, in a way that's fair, in a way that won't result in um two things. One, you don't want it to result in uh like variant outcomes based on how they drew. Like you obviously don't want them to just draw better cards and just win or just draw worse cards and just lose. On the other hand, you also, um, I shouldn't say on the other hand, but at the same time, you also don't want their strategy to be dictated by which cards they drew. So those two things in conjunction, this is what I'm struggling with right now, um, are really tricky to deal with. Like, how do you... So in my game, there are three types of cards. There are spell cards, there's units, there's buildings. I kind of want the player to have some of all of these, but some games I want them to have a little bit more of one or the other. And there's, like, there's no... Like, I, I've, I've, I've been thinking about, like, you know, maybe I could have it be, like, okay, at the start of the game... You draw, you make a deck. So like you you start with a starting hand of six cards and then you discard two, just like Race for the Galaxy style. So, okay, we need to get six cards. So maybe I'm think, kind of thinking out loud here. This is a problem I've been struggling with for a while, but like maybe you're, and this is so cumbersome, but hear me out real quick. Um, your spells, units, and buildings are in three separate decks and you Put so you put three, you draw three of those, uh, or yeah, you draw three of each of those to a deck, and then you draw six from that. And like it's kind of redundant because I honestly, my desk, my decks are only 15 cards, about each uh, magic deck has only like 15 cards. And I, I, that's something I kind of like is that there's not that many cards in your deck, so like, uh, game to game, you end up using some of the same tools. Um, I think that's that's good. But it still has the problem of if you're drawing six cards out of 15, well, what if like, you know, five of those are spells or even four of those are spells? Uh, now it's like, oh, I guess I'm going for spells. Of course, you will draw more throughout the game, but, um, you know, this is something that's difficult. Um, something I do like that helps, that's been helping me a lot, has been the Race for the Galaxy style drawing of like draw two, keep one, or Race for the Galaxy has draw five, keep one um draw three keep two those kind of things like draw keep um that's very useful for this that's definitely going to be part of the solution um but yeah so this is tough also because of rule number three or, or issue number three that i'm struggling with which is smoothness how do you how do you just make the game feel smooth to play and that's something that i think every almost every successful board game i've played has a lot of smoothness i think codex is low on smoothness it's kind of chunky to play and it's like awkward and weird a little bit and um like res arcana is it's actually pretty smooth it does a pretty good job on the smoothness i will say and you know this the easiest way to make things smooth is to make them simple um but simple is kind of bad for strategy game design so it's a tough problem to solve. So in so in terms of like this this first problem, how do you let players get some of their cards but not all? Um, you want whatever the answer to that to be smooth. Um, so you know maybe the answer is maybe the answer is just you draw six, keep four out of a fifteen deck, and you know what? Maybe the mulligan thing is the best rule. You know, or maybe um, 
if you don't like these six, you can take the other, you can draw another six, or I guess that's a mulligan, isn't it? Um, or yeah, you draw like half the deck, and then if you don't like that, you take the other half instead. So I don't know. Uh, I got to think about it, but um, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting concept. Um, and there's I think that every approach that I know of has some issues. Um, I'm interested to hear what people think. But back to smoothness, um, yeah, maybe you've played a game that has some good solutions to this. Please uh, message me and let me know. So, but back to smoothness, the other thing that I'm working working on now, now that I have the system like more or less kind of working, I'm working now on the components. And so like different spells, abilities, buildings, um, you know, units, that kind of stuff. And I just, you know, I had to design a lot of that like content very quickly. And something I noticed is like, man, a lot of the like content that I make when I'm just like, I'm kind of like rushing through so that I can play test. I need some content. A lot of it is, um, you know, a lot of it just kind of like sucks. It's just like not interesting or fun but some of it is also like maybe strategically good but just not smooth you know it's like oh store two cards under here or like um you know let me let me take a look at i have my deck right here in front of me let's see cannon play up to two gems from your hand to gem stacks i mean there's some of this that's like thematic that's that's um an issue um, so like, yeah, if it's called a cannon, it's a little weird. It like doesn't feel that good to play gems to my own gem stacks. I mean, that's maybe just like an issue of naming the thing properly, but it's also like, it's just kind of like a weak power. Let me see what else I got here. That makes sense. There was one that I saw. I just, I was walking by this list of cards and I was like, oh God, gross. I guess looking at them now, they're not as bad as I thought, but, um, there's 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 some of these that are just like who cares like why and and then it goes into thematic stuff yeah so here's one like volcanic dig site so when someone plays the dig action you gain gold equal to the number of gems in your left stack minus four and like that's a good example of something that's um you know it might be balanced and and it might be a good card in a way but it's just it's not smooth it's like um, and so it's really hard to find these kind of things. Another thing that I had was like some of the spells that you have require you to have a certain number of gems in the stacks. And that also just sort of feels like kind of weird and not smooth. And, um, there, there's some other problems there too. The way forging works and actually still works. Uh, so what I, uh, when you combine several gems to like shoot them at somebody, um, I call that forging in this game. And when you do that, it, it, there's, it's been a struggle to find a system for that, that, uh, that feels smooth, but that also like plays into, uh, the sort of like chart, the strategy chart that I have. And by the way, I've been working really hard on, uh, some, some charts for this game, which, uh, makes me feel good. That's I feel like that's my strength as a designer is making these weird strategy charts where you have like arrows, this goes into this and this goes into this. Um, I will post actually one of those charts with, uh, with this episode because, um, I think it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I would, I find that kind of stuff interesting. Another thing that, um, that, that helps with the smoothness. And this is something that I've, I've uh, is I surprised myself that I'm doing this a little bit, but because um, I was, you know, when I first started designing this, I'm like, of course, there's not going to be instants, you know, spells that, you know, in Magic the Gathering, you like play this car and it's like, boom, you just like took three damage or you just like lost this 
resource or whatever because I played this thing all of a sudden it just popped out on the table and now it's already affecting me so that's like you know it's kind of like an output randomness for the other the other player and I don't like that it's the thing is so what I had before was I had it that you play the spell out to the table and then next turn you can actually use it and like that works but but from a smoothness perspective it's like pretty crunchy and chunky and you've already got a lot of stuff down on the table and this is one of those situations where man if this was digital it wouldn't be a problem at all but in a context of a physical board game it's just it's it's just not worth it it's like better let's just just have them be instants it feels satisfying to like play a card and have something happen right now feels like you have like a direct hand into the system which you do and which maybe you shouldn't but um so the the answer i think is um as long as there's enough else going on and there's enough structure happening um that those small things can be small and tactical enough and like short term enough that they're okay you know that they're kind of like execution skill in like a big moba game um they're not like they're not frequently causing a major problem and so i think it's probably worth doing just instance that way so that's what i'm doing and so yeah that's that's basically what i've been struggling with um and i've been i'll post this chart that i've been working on over and over and over again um i'm feeling good about it i'm i feel like i'm really doing like game design you know like serious game design and this is what i want to be doing so i'm very happy about that okay and the other game let's get into the other game that i'm i'm working on which is the gem wizards 4x strategy game i probably have a little bit less to say about this because i haven't been like diving in head first into the game design that much yet i've more been kind of like generally planning for it and also i've been programming for it because programming is a big deal uh i'm bad at programming i definitely have gotten better at programming like i was looking back at my escape the omnocronom code uh, much of which is about two years ago, but some of which is maybe even three or four years ago, older. Um, and I've definitely improved. I've like, I'm definitely a better programmer now. I'm still not anywhere near a good programmer, but I was, I was saying this to a friend the other day that I'm not a good programmer, but I'm actually pretty good with unity. Like I, I can get stuff done very quickly. I did a, a one day game jam, uh, last weekend and we uh myself uh nick and jenny made a uh we made like i want to say like about 50 percent of a game um which will be announced at some point um well i I, we posted about it It was called scuba hacker um it's this very silly fun game but i'm excited about it um anyway though i was able to like bam like just like slam that thing together in a very short amount of time so um i do feel like i'm bad at programming but i'm good at unity um and i'm getting better at game development uh which is something that i like you know i never really cared about that much but or took pride in but the thing that i'm realizing more and more is like if i care about game design like the better every little trick programming trick i learn or something about like just workflow that i learn is just going to help me to like actually implement game design and and not just implement game design but but practice game design so anyway back to the 4x game um really the biggest thing i've i've been thinking about the 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 code base is going well the design um i'm not like into the meat of it yet we'll see how that goes um i feel pretty good about it because i am gonna kind of stick to a four 4x formula but you know i've said that kind of thing before um 
the big thing I'm thinking about that I wanted to just talk about really quickly with this game is so one of the things I want to do, and, I, and this is part of building this world, this, this um, Gem Wizards world, is how do I like build uh, not just a world, but like a mechanics of a world that is, again, more like humane, more socially aware, more like less colonial, uh, more post-colonial, more, you know, um, so, so, so when you think about something like Civ, and how in civilization, you know, it's the 4X model. It's the explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. Um, and so many of those X's are, like, really just, like, gross and, like, terrible. And, like, they, it tells this story about humanity and humans and who humans are and how how civilization works. That's That's, let's just say, it's one particular interpretation of history and one particular perspective on how humans flourish and how societies develop. And um, different people have different points of view on that, actually. Um, but there are dominant points of view. There are dominant memes about like how, you know, I don't know, one civilization was sort of like took over other civilizations and, you know, how technologies come to be and how culture works and how, you know, all these things, um, there's, there's like dominant views on that and civilization as a game mostly reflects those dominant views. And I feel like there's a way to just just let's tell a different story you know what i mean like i feel like uh it would be good to tell a different story a because i don't buy a lot of that uh storytelling about um you know these like better stronger civilizations uh you know and this like linear progression of society um the way that they model things like religion um or like a tech tree being the linear like tech so so one of the one of the ways that i can express what i'm trying to say some of this i have not quite developed yet into like well what am i going to do like there are four statements but one example is like a tech tree um tech trees sort of just by their nature the civ tech trees tell a story of a basically linear progression of technology and some are just it's just a race right like who has more tech points and is getting further in the tech tree um and it's always the same like you know you get granary or you know uh, what is it like um the fishing technology and the archery technology and then later you have the printing press technology and you have um like i don't know education as a technology or the and the, the space program and all this stuff and it's like this linear sequence and it's like this is it sort of tells the story that like the way that society and human history went is the way it has to happen and it will always happen. And uh, especially the fact that you play Civ over and over again and every time it kind of like you go for the same stuff. You know, you don't always go for the same stuff, but like, you know, you can go for the same stuff. This the, this texture is the same each game, which I think also strategic strategy game wise is not great. Like I, I've, I love that some 4X games, um, randomize that. Like, why wouldn't you randomize that? And I think the answer for Civ is they're like straddling this line between, is this a strategy game or is this like some kind of simulation? Um, which also bothers me. That's something I definitely don't want to do with Gem Wizards, uh, 4X. I just want it to be, uh, a strategy game. That's, uh, I mean, it is, it is kind of, 
that's that's another thing that I'm going to be moving away from is like my my 4x is not going to be like starting at the dawn of time. Uh, it's going to be like, you know, I don't know, 10 years, 10 years stretch of time or something. So you'll be developing strategy like, you know, technologies and spells and things like that. But it's all within the course of like this, you know, one generation or whatever. Anyway, uh, th this whole thing made me kind of think like, um, I don't know, like maybe I should try not to create some grand narrative of how the universe is, of how, you know, societies are, of how um, diplomacy works. Um, you know, like maybe that's the problem with 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 games like Civ is that they try to sort of um, create this narrative but then i was like well no it's not a problem to tell a story you know that's all those things are doing is they're telling a story and that's not a problem the problem is the specific stories that they're telling is is a problem uh and so like you know maybe the problem is not so much the building of these systems um but just the views of those who happen to be building them and you know we we have a pretty insular the same kinds of people tend to be making these games um if i were to look at uh most designers of Civ or Forex games, I think uh, they would fall into similar socioeconomic uh, profiles. And I think that that's reflected in their choices, their design choices. And, you know, I, I fall into that same profile myself, um, but I, I'm aware of that and I want to try to make something that um, won't continue to reproduce the same biases um, Stuff like tribal villages, like why, why is that still in Civ? There's a lot of stuff in Civ that's just like, like we're not updating this, really. We're just gonna keep doing this. Um, you know, the idea that like uh, there's like this tribal village and you just like basically consume it as a resource. Um, that's a little weird. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I I don't think I'm gonna be able to make this game into some like huge you know, post-colonial social justice message thing. It's primarily a strategy game. And one of the struggles of strategy games is the aesthetics of strategy games is just like, you know, soaked in, uh, marinated in these ideas. And the, the, the fun aesthetics of strategy games is so tied to like war and violence and domination. And it's hard to completely get away from that. And I, I've struggled with that for a few years now. And like, how do I make a fun strategy game that people will see as fun, but that has none of that. And it's like, it's difficult. So I think, I think it's, you know, there's ways you can, there's ways you can do it. And I, and I'm, I have some ideas on how to do that, but I'm, that's definitely something I'm struggling with. That's something I plan on struggling with more with this game going forward. But I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm really excited about this universe. Um, and that's pretty much all I had to talk about today. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or whatever, let me know. Of course, you can support the show on patreon.com slash keithbergun. You can come to our Discord, which is available at keithbergun.net. And uh, I'd love to hang out with you and chat. I'm in there quite often, probably too often. Uh, talking about all kinds of stuff so yeah come on in there we can talk about this uh if you have um suggestions for guests i'm currently looking for new guests for the show um let me know i'd love to you know 
uh, get some ideas. If you yourself would like to come on and, and talk to me about something, I would love to have you. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and I will be back again shortly. See ya. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, I'm going to try a new thing today. Uh, this is like a shout-out section uh, where I would like you to check out the patrons of a few people that I follow and support on Patreon.com. Um, the first one is John Harris. If you haven't heard of John Harris, he used to write for Game Set Watch. He's a brilliant um, sort of encyclopedic mind on games and game design and um, really just like game history. Um, uh, if you ever want to know anything about roguelikes, he's the person to talk to. Anyway, he's putting together a magazine, um, a game history magazine, kind of. It's called Extended Play, and you can go to patreon.com slash extended play to check that out. I recommend doing that. I also recommend um, uh, a friend of mine named Tanya Henderson. She's a fantastic um, visual artist, um, like just really like world-class level um, constructive anatomy. Um, if you're interested in learning how to draw it all for games or for any other purpose, I really recommend checking out Tanya Henderson's um, drawing tutorials that she has over at Tanhen. That's T-A-N-H-E-N-D. Super awesome. Um, of course, Happy Snake. You gotta check out Happy Snake. You know about Happy Snake already. But if you don't, it's Happy Snake Games at Patreon. And, um, go check out everything Happy Snake is doing. Super awesome. Of course, you probably also know about Brett Lowy from Brain Good Games. They're at patreon.com slash braingoodgames. You know the games that they make. They make single-player strategy games with, uh, single-player ELO. Um, very cool stuff. Definitely worth staying apprised of. Uh, I would also like to, of course, throw a shout out to Dino Farm Games, who is making Alakaram right now. We just had another week's uh, worth of work on that. It's coming along really well. I'm really excited about it. That's the spiritual sequel to Oro. They're at patreon.com slash Games. If you support uh, like a new version of Oro, definitely come by and check that out. And finally, I'd like to give a shout out to my girlfriend, Jenny B., who is uh, a visual storyteller and a game developer and a writer and an artist and multidisciplinary. Uh, and she's got a storytelling Patreon where she wants to... She's going to have news on this soon, but she, she put out an episode of her show, Negative Space. It's like a 20-minute pilot for a TV show. And she's making new episodes of that now. She does also a lot of really cool social media stuff. She made the game Equivoc. If you like visual novels, you should check that out. Anyway, she's at, at Jenny B Design. That's B-E-E, -E, like Jenny B-E-E -E Design uh, at Patreon. And uh, I recommend checking that out too. So anyway, that's my shout outs. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll probably do this again at some point. And uh, thanks again for listening. See you around.